Everybody, good morning, afternoon, day, weekend, whatever it is. Uh, whenever you decide to listen to this, right now it's it's afternoon, early evening for me, and it's it's a gorgeous, gorgeous day outside. Um, even though I'm I'm a big winter fan, you know, having a nice spring day where it's not completely toasting hot, burning the flesh off your skin um, or the flesh off your bones, I should say is nice so here in texas if you're if you're not familiar with texas at all and you've never been let me tell you it gets hot summer lasts forever it never goes away and you sweat every time you get out of the shower that's just the way it is man that, that that's just how it is so anyway uh i'm back and i'm i'm pretty pretty happy this morning for some reason <laughs> not that i want to be depressed all the time but it's weird, and I probably should have picked a different uh, topic to talk about um, because this is, is not a very pleasant podcast, but it is part of the life of an average Joe, and that's me. So let's, uh, let's dive right in here, and you guys sit down, get a cup of coffee, get some water, get some wine, whiskey, whatever you want to do. Let's sit back for the next 30 minutes or so, and um, you know, let's talk life. I'm going to take a sip of water, though, because I have done several podcasts today. <laughs> I probably should. <laughs> I probably should wait and have done this another day because uh, my voice is not not what it should be right now. But give me a second, guys. So just take a take a moment here. Oh, yeah. You guys got to hear that. That was a good drink of water. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I'm here to talk about yeah, there's no two ways about it. Death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not in a fun way. Not in a Halloween horror way. Not in a video game Mortal Kombat way. Just just life, you know? And I, I don't know what made me think of this. I, I don't. I have no clue where this came from. It wasn't on my list of podcast ideas. Um, actually, I was going to talk about something else. But maybe it's... <sighs> You know, it's my age. I'm 42 years old. That's not old. But your mindset is a lot different than it was when you were 22. You know, maybe it's the movies I watch or books I read. Or maybe it's because I've been working so hard on this nonprofit, Save Us, Don't Slave Us. And I've been reading and doing so much research. And some of it's very disturbing. Almost all of it's really disturbing. It's something we you need to look at. But yeah, I don't know. But it, it just made me think of... Of those times in your life, as you've grown up and as you go through life more, you have more people that pass away. Death is a part of life. It is. There's no getting away from it. Everything we have in common is you were born, you live, you die. That is the one common denominator or three common denominators amongst everybody in the entire universe, every living thing. You are born, you live, you die. Everything else is different. But that, those three are guaranteed. It's just a matter of when you die. It's just a matter of how, but it happens. And I think for all of us, we all have different views on death as far as the afterlife and, and if there is an afterlife. We all have different beliefs. And that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm just talking about it from a simplistic fact that it happens in all of our lives. Some of us have experienced it more than others. There are some that, that maybe have made it this far in their life and haven't experienced it, or at least in not a way that it's impacted them. And, and I was thinking about people that, that I have known, loved, cared for, been in a relationship with in some way that have just passed away. And, and you know, as I was growing up, you know, when you when your family gets a little bit older, you have family members that pass away, obviously. You know, great-grandmas. I remember going to my great-grandma's, my funeral. Um, she lived in Chicago. I believe she was buried in Kentucky. I was very young. Um, and I 
think I was a pallbearer. And I could be, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, I could be cross-mogenating many different memories because it was a long time ago. Her name was, you know, it was Grandma Pearl. That's what we called her. And she lived in Chicago for a while there. She lived in a great house. It was actually one of those type of city houses that I always wanted to live in in life. You know, it was, you've seen them in the movies. You see them in New York. You see them in Boston. He's Chicago. And, you know, somebody lives below. Somebody lives in the middle. Somebody lives on top. Thin building. She lived by the L train. Uh, she lived not too far from a Mexican market. You could always get pastries there. And I, those are my memories. She had an annoying parrot. She's one of those bird people that I, I don't get it. Um, and then she moved to a really bad, horrible, god-awful, it wasn't even a retirement community. It was, it was a project, really. Um, roaches, rats, bad neighborhood. I mean, I used, to, I used to hate going there, but we, always, we would always pull her out of that neighborhood. We never, we never hung out at her house. Um, as I got older, I could probably be able to put up with it more. But as a kid, you had an image, and, and then this image was shattered, so you, you didn't want to be there. But I remember being at that funeral and, and bothered by it, but I wasn't, I wasn't torn up by it. You know, I, I, I don't know if I cried. I don't. Maybe I did. Um, not because I wasn't going to miss her and not because... You know, not because I wasn't saddened, but I just don't remember. I don't know if, if at that age or even how old I was, if I could process truly what death is. I mean, I wasn't stupid. Um, I know what happens. You know, I know that, 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 that she was gone, but I just don't remember it. But I do remember walking in the mountains. And God, this makes me th- sound like a... <laughs> I don't know what this makes me sound like, like an early settler, but... She was buried, and, and, and you know we were walking in these hills and the the in the side of the mountain, and there's a cemetery. Like, and I swear I was a pallbearer. I, I swear I carry helped carry that heavy, heavy casket. And if I'm wrong, somebody who listens to this knows, and they can point me out in the right direction. But I, I remember that. But I don't know if that was my most early memory of death. But right now, I'm going to say it was. But then as we've gotten older, you know, you have celebrities and musicians that die and you know, people that you watch on TV die and you hear about it and you're like, oh man, that sucks. Um, but then you get into relationships and, and I remember freshman year is, is the one that really stands out the most. And we're in, you know, in high school and as a freshman, there's so many things going on. Now, I was never nervous as a freshman. Um, I was never worried that, you know, upperclassmen were going to pick on me and, and there was the freshman hazing. I never experienced that, ever. I had friends and that, that had older brothers and sisters. I, I hung out with older people. I, I was never one of those kids that was like, oh, my God, I, I got to be careful. I've got to pass the senior hall. What are they going to do to me? This wasn't, an area, this wasn't a situation like dazed and confused, you know. I just never worried about it. I saw it happen to people, but I didn't give a crap, you know. But I remember being in, in class and, and meeting new people. And, and classes were mixed. You had your freshmen and sophomores in classes together. Sometimes you had juniors. I don't think I had any seniors. A couple seniors in some electives. But for the most part, that was it. And you just started talking to them. Some of them were cool. Some of them weren't, you know. But you just started talking and hanging out. And I remember being in Spanish class. It was like fifth period. I hated it. I don't remember my teacher's name, nor do I care. I do remember my Spanish name was Rico, so that was cool. Um, But I remember sitting in front of this girl. Her name was Jennifer Morbido, an Italian girl, obviously. And she was cool. She was cute. It wasn't, that wasn't what caught my eye at first. She was just very nice, like very sweet and calming and cool and she just started talking to me and we just started kind of becoming buddies she kind of put me in check actually um because I was well like I am now (laughs) I uh I didn't really care about school I didn't focus on school I didn't believe that that school was that important now now I do feel differently uh, about school despite the fact that I think the educational system needs a massive overhaul but um 
at the time it was just fitting in, not fitting in, but entertaining. I, I don't know what the proper word. I was a, I, I joked around a lot. I was more worried about the girls I was dating and the Friday football game than I was about learning Spanish. In hindsight, obviously, like every, most things in your life, you, you would do it differently. Um, but I remember meeting Jennifer Morbido. So when I would get out of hand, she'd put me in check. She'd tell me, hey, Brandon, get it together. Focus. I'm like, okay. And we talked. And then we talked outside of class. You know, it was one of those things where it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to talk to this guy in class because he's not as annoying. Now, she was a sophomore. So she was, she was a year older than me. Um, but she was cool. I'd see her at lunch. She'd come hang out. I'd go hang out with her. She introduced me to her friends. Some of my other friends that were on the swim team and track were friends with Jennifer because she was on the swim team and track. So there was just circle of, of connection and all that. And we became pretty close. Now, mind you, school started in, 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 in end of August, okay? Um, and I went out of town about a week or so before homecoming, maybe a little bit longer. I, I went to Kentucky, not for the funeral, but... You know, my, my mom had family there. We had family there. So we'd visit cousins and, and things like that. Um, and I remember going out of town. I remember telling everybody I was going out of town that I was not going to be in town for the weekend. I think I was only gone like three or four days. I think I only missed like maybe a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, came back Sunday, and we drove. I want to say it was like eight hours away, but I seven hours. I don't know. The time frame... I've driven to K- Kentucky since then in my life, you know, as I was older, and it didn't seem that far. Uh, I guess it just depends on what part of Kentucky you were going to. Uh, but anyway, I remember telling everybody, guys, I'm not going to be at the football game. We're not going to do this. I'll be back for homecoming. Don't worry about it. Um, the girl I was, I don't, I don't think I was, yeah, I was dating her at the time. Um, so she knew I was going out of town, no big deal. I told everybody this. I told Jennifer because we were planning on doing something for homecoming, not going together, um, but we were going to go to the homecoming game. I was going to meet her there. We were all going to hang out afterwards, probably hit a party. We had talked about this. So I talked. I said, you know, hey, when I get back in town, I'll talk to you. I'll see you at school. No big deal. You know, still going on family trips before, you know, you had a choice or before they, you know, they decided they didn't want you to go because <laughs> um, you were a pain in the ass. But I went and did my Kentucky thing, came back. And I remember getting home Sunday night. And it wasn't late, but it was late enough to where I was going to wind down, go to bed, or at least go to my bedroom and chill out before I went to school. Uh, And I remember getting messages, not only on my parents' answer machine, yes, answer machine, my own personal line. Because I had my own personal phone line, you know, in my bedroom. Cell phones were not a thing. Um, unless they had the big, you know, Zach Morris phone from Say by the Bell, and it was like $5 a minute, and I didn't have that. My dad had a briefcase phone once um, in his car, and, and yeah, I was threatened never to use it, and I don't think I ever did, but um, it was big and huge and god-awful. But um, I remember listening to my voicemails, or my, you know, on my answer machine, on the, on the, you know, my voice messages on the machine, and I had like three or four of them from people. Hey, Brandon, give me, when you get a call, I, I thought you'd be home, give me a call. Hey, Brandon, give me a call. Hey, this is important, give me a call. And then they were getting phone calls on my parents' voice uh, answer machine. And I had told my friends, don't call my parents' phone. You know, a lot of people had my parents' phone number because it was the only way to get in contact with me prior to getting my own phone line. But they were, there was like duplicate messages. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I didn't think anything of it. I see these guys in school. I'm not calling anybody. I'm going to bed. And I remember my buddy Toby picked me up. He had his license before we did to drive us to school. And he told me that, that Jennifer died. And I was like, what? And he said she was killed in a car accident. And apparently what happened was she was picking up the new, um, for the swim team, the new jackets. They were embroidered with their names and all that from a local uh, place in, in South Lyon, Michigan, where they did all the school stuff. They did all the varsity jackets and all that. And she was picking it up, and something happened. She wasn't wearing her seatbelt. She wasn't drunk. She wasn't, they think she might have been speeding and, and, and all that. She looked away. She spun out, wrapped the car around the tree, and died. 
and I remember thinking to myself, what do you, what? Like it just, obviously death wasn't new, but it was unheard of. Like, no, that didn't happen. I was just gone for a few days. I just talked to her literally before I left. Like, no way. And I remember the school that morning, everybody was messed up. Everybody was sad. Everybody, I mean, it just, it had this feel when we pulled into the parking lot and all my friends in waves, Brandon, Brandon, giving me hugs, crying. And I'm like, what, what the, this is, you know, my mind couldn't comprehend it. And I remember walking into the school, looking around, seeing people with their heads down, seeing people crying, sitting down by their lockers. Even the teachers, like the bell rang and the halls were full and nobody cared. Nobody was rushing you to class. Nobody was telling you to hurry up. There was no tardies or anything like that. I mean, just people were a mess. And I remember sitting down in first period and it was sinking in. And they came over the announcement. The principal came over the the, the, the speaker, you know, ladies and gentlemen of South Line High School, it, it, it is with heavy heart, you know, it saddens me today that we have lost one of our own, you know, Jennifer Morabito was killed. And they said that if you needed to leave. And I was like, I'm out. And I just got up and walked out. And I walked in the hallways and I was talking to people and and and, and that's what it was. And that, that whole week, that's what it was like. And it, I don't think it was the week of homecoming. I think it was the week before homecoming. Um, and I remember sitting in the hall just dumbfounded, her locker covered in stickers and flowers and notes, and I was running into her friends, and then it was time to go to Spanish class. And there was no Spanish class to be had that day. Jennifer sat right behind me, and there was this empty seat, and it just felt like this chill was just on me, like this dark, saddened burden was just staring at me. And every time I turn around to look at her, she wasn't there and I left again. And I met up with some of my friends to talk and, and the counselors were there and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to a counselor. I just want to talk to my friends, but we were excused for most of the week. And then we went to the funeral and that was probably one of the worst things I ever remember going to that funeral home, then going to the funeral then watching her, we left uh, as she was placed in the ground. We just felt like it was time to go. And I think we went to go get a bite to eat somewhere. And that whole homecoming, everything felt weird. The game had a moment of silence. The, the, the dance had a moment of silence. And it took me a long time. I mean, years. I don't want to say get over it because I don't think you ever really get over it, but to let it go. And you got to think, this was back in 1997. And I still sometimes think about her. I mean, I remember it so crystal clear and how big of an impact she had on me in that short time that I knew her. Unfortunately, that same year, that February, and I met this girl. Her name was Tina Vaquira. She was homecoming queen. She was a senior. I met her at Jennifer's funeral. She gave me a hug. I wasn't friends with her like I was with Jennifer, but she was very close to Jennifer. And we talked for a while at the funeral, and she would always say hi to me in, in the halls and wave to me and, and all that. She was killed in a car accident February 13th, 1998. Same year, I mean, if you, you know, school year. No seatbelt, crashed into a tree, died. And I just was done. It just, it was, a, it was a punch. Because when I looked at Tina, I saw Jennifer. And I remember her kindness at that funeral. I remember her comforting and, and her, how sweet she was. And, and she was killed. And we went to that funeral. And all these flashbacks of months before of Jennifer was like, here it was at Tina. And I met the family and, and, and all that. And. That was a really rough freshman year because there was multiple accidents that had happened. And, and some people didn't die and some people I didn't know, but the school just felt dark. And it was awful, man. It was, it was horrible. You know, and through that, and I'm kind of bouncing around. This isn't like a timeline. I'm just, 
I guess I just really want to talk about these people that, that you know, had an impact on you and, and how you deal with death and, and as we get through this thing called life, as Prince would say. Um, I, through Tina's funeral and through school, I met her younger sisters. Um, there's one named Carrie Vaquera. She was awesome. She played soccer. Um, she was a, she was a smart ass. So we got along. Uh, she was a year under me. So when I was a sophomore, she was a freshman and she had another sister named Jeannie Vaquera. She was a freshman as well when I was a sophomore and I was dating one of their friends and that's how we started to connect more and put the, the connections together. And I just became really good friends with them all through high school and out of high school. Um, they were just a great, nice family, you know? Well, right before I moved to Texas, Jeannie was diagnosed with, with leukemia. And, you know, we had had another friend that, was, that had leukemia, and she's doing wonderful now, you know, married with kids and all that. Actually, one of the funny things about with Jeannie was I remember, this is how, this is how close we were, my buddy Jeremy used to work at a video store. <laughs> this is back when you could rent movies, DVDs, and VHS. Okay, guys, it's no, forget streaming services. Netflix wasn't even out with their streaming ser- or not streaming their um, where you could order DVDs yet and move them to the queue. I think they had just started coming out with that. So there was video stores, mom and pop video stores around. This was New Hudson Video. It was a cool little video store. You know, we'd go there and hang out. I would literally go there when Jeremy was working. And hang out with him for his shift till he got off. Watching videos, shooting the crap. I mean, I, it was right by my house. I could walk there. I mean, it was a couple miles, but I could walk there if I wanted to. And we were all friends, you know. Jeannie was, was friends and, and, and all that. And she was friends with this girl named Lisa. So I had met Lisa and Jeannie up at New Hudson Video to go hang out with Jeremy. You know, because what, what do a bunch of kids do? And it was getting ready to be prom. Now, I was out of school. Jeremy was just getting ready to be out. They were all seniors. And I remember Jeremy didn't have a prom date. Well, they decided that Lisa was going to ask Jeremy because he didn't want to ask her. I don't know why. He's a coward. And Lisa asked Jeremy right there. And he's like, yeah, I'll go. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. And then Jeannie was like, well, great. I got to find one. And Lisa looked at me and said, hey, I just go with Brandon. You guys know you're going to have a good time. He's going to take care of you. It's going to be great. And then Jeannie's like, okay. And I, I said, okay. So I went to, I didn't go to my prom. I went to prom with Jeannie and we had a blast. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I had so much fun with that girl. I mean, she, she had a smile that could light up a room. She's beautiful. Uh, nothing, nothing weird. Nothing, and not even weird. No, no romance there. Just such a great time with her. And then the next day, we all went to Cedar Point. That's what you do. You get up, you drive to Cedar Point. And we went to Cedar Point. It was amazing. Um, for those of you that don't know, Cedar Point's an amusement park in Ohio that makes Six Flags in Texas look like uh, the ghetto. Um, yeah, because Six Flags is the ghetto. But anyway, so we went and, and we had a blast. And then we remained friends. Right before I moved to Texas, I, I started talking to her again. Um, she was dating somebody and she was diagnosed with leukemia and then I left for Texas. Through that time, we remained in contact through social media, emails, some texting, but she was married now to this guy. Um, they were having a daughter. She still had leukemia. Um, it's unreal. It was really weird, but it had gone into remission or I, and, and I'll be honest with you because I was down here in Texas, I didn't know the details very much. I know that my contact with her took a long, like there was gaps in between that contact. Well, it was about, God, she did a fundraiser. I remember they were doing t-shirts for her. It was called Jeannie Strong because she started to relapse and really relapse bad and she was in chemo and and all that, losing weight, lost her hair. And I remember I was down in Texas. This had to be like five years ago, maybe four. And I ordered the shirt 
And within a couple months later, I woke up to a message from a buddy of mine that Jeannie passed away. And that wrecked me. I remember laying in bed, reading that text, going on Facebook to her page, and just feeling beat up, like ripped out, like this beautiful soul with a family younger than me, just amazing girl, was dead. It didn't seem real. And I, it, it seemed so far-fetched that, that, that this could even happen, even though I had experienced death many times since then. It still wrecks me. Still makes me upset. It still, it still, it still doesn't make any sense to me. And she was just gone. And you know, people are posting pictures, and I posted pictures of prom and memories, and we all start talking, and it's, you know, it was a tragedy. It was just a tragedy, because she's was an amazing person. And, and she will always have an impact on my life. And I'll always remember the connections that we had and how I met that family through another death and so on. It was like, I'm not trying to be funny. It was like Final Destination. It was like I met Tina at Jennifer's funeral, then met Jeannie and Kira, or not Kira, um, Carrie, and then met, I just it just didn't stop, you know? And it was, it was really saddened by that. And it still makes me sad. And I think that's one thing that we have to accept as living. We have to realize it's not about getting over that. You don't get over a death. I don't even like that terminology. I think you just learn how to make that part of your life and move forward. You know, getting over something is like, Oh man, I lost 20 bucks the other day. I'm so pissed off. And then a week from now, you're like, yeah, I'm over it. You get over it. You don't think about it again. I don't think that's how it is with death. I think you look at it, you learn from it, you accept it, and you process it and you move on. It's part of you, though. It's not gone. It's not a $20 bill that's floating out in the street because you dropped it. It's something that's part of you that, that, that makes you who you are today. And that's what it should be. For a long time, I went to their graves. Uh, they were buried pretty close to each other. Not, not Jeannie, Tina and uh, Jennifer. I've never been to Jeannie's grave. I don't even know where she's buried, to be honest with you. And I don't know if I even want to go. I don't think so. Um, but she was part of another group of people that we hung out with prior to her getting leukemia. Actually, after her getting leukemia, she would come to some of these parties and that we had, but she would never do half the stuff we did. You know, we all go through those phases, those drug phases, and I, I don't know if we all do. I did. Um, probably more so than I let on. Um, and there was a particular phase where we were drinking like crazy, and drugs, and I'm not just talking like smoking weed, I'm talking like mushrooms and ecstasy and uh, acid and cocaine and all that. Um, and that's for real, you know. Uh, there's nothing nothing here to glorify with that. Um, we just, it just was part of us for a good, I don't know, year or so. And Jeannie would come to those parties with us, but she never did anything. And I always felt bad doing that stuff in front of her. Well, we had a friend, and I'm not going to say his name right now because we'll just call him DL, okay, DL. Uh, for some of you that know him, you'll, you'll know this story. For some of you that don't, I just, out of respect for the situation, I'm not going to say anything. Um, and he was part of the crew. He did drugs a lot, a lot, but he was a very calm guy. You know, I didn't talk to him much in high school here and there. But I talked to him out of high school. He hung out a lot of our, at, our, at our apartment. I mean, Jeannie would come over. Sometimes she'd bring him or one of our other friends would bring him. And, and sometimes he would supply the drugs and just never do them. And other times he'd just chill and play video games with us. Like, I never had an issue with him. And, and he had allegedly had a pretty big anger problem and allegedly gotten some fights and stuff. And I just never saw that. Heard about it, never saw it. We were always cool. 
and he was part of our little circle for a good year and a half or two. Uh, unfortunately, it was a it was a very twisted circle. But I remember we were we were up <laughs> one of the random nights. We were up all night. Nobody worked the next day. And we had just been in a binge. I mean, a bender, like a serious bender of everything. I mean, just everything you could possibly imagine we were doing. Um, not proud of that. I mean, it looked like a movie. Bottles of beer everywhere and bags of half, you know, with remnants of weed. The seeds were in there and dust from cocaine and blow sitting on a CD. I mean, it was not cool, man, but that's what it looked like. And uh, there's probably six, seven people in our apartment. We're hanging out. I don't think Jeannie was there that day, but we were all talking about doing something the next day, going disc golfing. Now, I hate disc golf. I think it's stupid. You throw a Frisbee at a bunch of metal chains. and I, I, I just I think it's stupid. Um, but being outside is awesome. And being outside in the summer on a disc golf trail with some beers and your friends, like, that's great. So I would go and play. I, I just was not a disc golf guy. And we all talked about it, all of us. And I remember everybody was like, hey, if you're not crashing here, you better get, get up early. We'll get some breakfast. Go get some disc golf. Now, we stayed up all night, but some people left. Derek stayed with us till the, the sun was coming up. And he said, look, I'm going to go home and shower, catch a nap. I will be there. Now, I just said his name, didn't I? Son of a... Anyway, DL. <laughs> All right, Derek said... Um, if Derek said he was going to be there, he was going to be there. He was one of those guys. It, there wasn't... If he wasn't there, it would have been weird. So we had a few people stayed at our place. Some of them went home. Derek said, I'll meet you at the course. No problem. I stayed up all night with my buddy, Joey P. We hung out. Uh, sobered up, came down, got some coffee, got a pack of cigarettes because I used to smoke. And we're waiting on everybody to call us as we're heading out. Nobody's calling. So we're trying to wake people up, this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, we're about to get out to this place and nobody's going to be there. And I remember Derek said, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll be there. I might be a few minutes late, but I'm going to be there. And that's the type of guy he was. He was there. We got a phone call. One of my roommates got a phone call from his ex-girlfriend because they were still friends and said, look, do you know what happened to Derek last night? And he was like, yeah, man, he was with us. We're getting ready to go to get disc golf. She said she was driving either home from work or home from somewhere on Seven Mile. That's where Derek lived and saw his truck on the side of the road but didn't see anybody in it. He thought that was kind of weird. He didn't get arrested. He would have called one of us. Maybe it broke down. So we all tried calling him. Couldn't get a hold of him. Then we hear the door knock. And there's three of our girls that we hung out with came in that were supposed to meet us for disc golf. Saying, we can't get a hold of Derek. We can't get a hold of Derek. You know, And then we tell them the story. Hey, we just got a phone call. We heard about this truck. Let's go check it out. So as we're getting ready to leave... We're in the, getting our cars loaded. We're going to drive down six mile or seven mile, find out the truck, go to Derek's house, whatever. We get a phone call. And it's police. Which was odd. But they had found Derek in the truck, dead. With a note. And it had our names on that note. And had phone numbers for all of us. And I'm not going to read the note to you guys. I'm going to keep that personal. Um, but they contacted us to ask us what happened. Come to find out, Derek did go home. And he took his dad's shotgun. And blew his brains out in the truck. On the side of the road as the sun was coming up. And wrote us a note. You know, looking back at that night, Derek didn't do much of anything. Drink some beer, smoke some pot, that's it. He didn't touch the hard stuff. And it and as I think about that, he knew he was going to do that. That wasn't something that just randomly thought of. He sat in our apartment all night hanging out with us and knew he was going to blow his brains out and kill himself. And he did it 
and he wrote a note, and then he wrote a note to his dad, and I, I, to this day, I don't know what it said. But that moment was pivotal for us, and it was, I can say this right now, it was pivotal for me. It made me stop. I said, I'm done. I didn't touch anything since then. And I, I never will again. I mean, I'll drink a little, but I'll never touch a drug again, obviously. And I don't know what was going through him, you know, in his mind, in his heart, his soul. I don't know what turmoil he was in. I never felt that way. Like when we talked, I never, we got into some deep conversations, but I never got a depression vibe from him. I never got that. And I just think about in my house, like in my apartment, like was there anything we could have done to stop him, to save him? Did I ignore a sign because I was so coked out of my head? that I didn't listen to a friend in need. I mean, this kid never got to finish his life. And he was younger than me, a year younger than me. Actually, two years younger than me. No? Yeah, two years younger than me. He just killed himself. I mean, he went to his dad's house to get the shotgun. He knew what he was going to do. That was not something random. It was planned. And, um, and it's one of those question marks that for years we would all talk about why. It drove us insane. I, I mean, uh, you know, after that we all pretty much split up. We never talked to each other again. Um, you know, occasionally we'd run into some of them before I moved, but it was just everything was different. I moved out actually when that lease was up. I moved out. And that was for some other reasons too, but I, I moved out. And it was just it was over. It was a chapter in our life that was over, and it's a haunting image to think about because I, that that was not what I expected to be on the other end of that phone was a police officer. It was not what I expected to sit there and hear that Derek was was dead. And it still sits today when I think about suicide and I see people on drugs or I've talked to friends that haven't got out of that loop yet and they probably never will. I worry about that. You know, there's been other death in my life. My papa, who's one of the greatest men I ever known, <clears throat> to this day, I have a hard time talking about that. I can't remember everything that happened to him because I don't want to. He wasn't older. I mean, yes, he was old. And I do remember, and I don't want to get too much into this because I want to stick on my time frame here, but I do remember as I got older and he, he stopped working. Of course, he never really stopped working. <laughs> he was retired, but he never really was. I mean, he, he always wanted to do something. And, and good luck trying to stop him. But um, I remember him and my grandma living together. And my grandma was struggling, health, mental, because she was getting older. But she wanted more. My grandma was a lot more outgoing than my papa. Um, I mean, they were perfect for each other, but they, they were definitely outgoing. And she liked to go out and do stuff. My papa was very content with coming home, eating his dinner, doing his routine, um, you know, seeing a family, you know, maybe going occasionally to the store, you know, but he was very content with that. My grandma was not, so she was having some hard times. And because she was sick, you know, my papa couldn't take care of her. So, you know, people were staying at that house. You know, my Uncle Tony, my Uncle Dennis, my dad, myself, we would stay there at nights just to make sure they were okay in it. And my papa was completely content with that, you know. Uh, in a way, I got it, but, but my grandma was suffering. And they ended up finally going to a retirement community, and it was a very nice place. Now there were some issues that happened later, but they got to meet people there, and they got to do activities and go to the mall. And my papa, he didn't really thrive there. He didn't like it. My grandma thrived. My papa didn't. And I feel like that was the downfall for him. He got sick, and he just stopped. I remember him going to the retirement home. I would go over there all the time. Then, bam, 
he got a little sick, a little worse. Then he was in the hospital, and I remember seeing him lying in the emergency room until they put him somewhere else, or, or the waiting room or whatever you want to call it. I remember seeing my cousin Dana there. And then... It was it. it was, he died. They moved him to hospice and it was over. And I never remember anybody telling me what was wrong. They didn't tell me what, what kind of sickness he had. They didn't tell me what was going on with his body. He just died. And I got to be honest with you. At 42 years old and it's been a while, it still pisses me off. I'm still angry about it. I know that death is a real thing. I'm not stupid. And I was old enough to understand it then. But nobody told me what was going on. I didn't just like put a block on this memory. I just remember going to the hospital and seeing him, you know, all the time. Trying to talk to him and he wouldn't talk. He couldn't talk. He'd make sounds and, and, you know, wince his face a little when they tried to move him. And it just bothered me. And one of the final nights that I was there, I went to see him one night. I'm, I'm kind of pissed about this, actually. Um, and I hung out for a long time uh, with him, talking to him and, and, and just watching him and just talking about life. And sometimes he looked happy, not happy, but peaceful. Other times he didn't. I stayed for a while, and I remember my Uncle Larry showed up, and uh, we were sitting there, and I stayed for a while, and I was talking to Uncle Larry, and then they moved him to get my, my papa comfortable again, and, and I stayed. And I wanted to stay longer, but I felt like out of respect, like, it, it, you know, that, that's his son. That's, his, that's my Uncle Larry's dad. Uh, you know, I needed to leave so they could have their time. I didn't want to be selfish, and I didn't want to leave at all. And uh, I left. That was the last time I saw him alive. And at some point, and I don't remember the time, but it was either that night or the next day. It was it was somewhere in there. My uncle Tony came in. It's his, you know, obviously my other papa's son, and he was there. And Tony was there when Papa passed. And I was pissed because I could have been there, but it wasn't. Look. That's just my human side, and as opposed to my non-human side, um, that's just me being selfish. You know, it wasn't my place to be there. It was much more appropriate for my uncle Tony to be there. Um, but we went to the funeral. You know, I remember, actually no, I remember getting the call, and uh, you guys got to give me a minute. <laughs> Um, God, I didn't think that was going to happen, but, uh, getting the call that he passed away and, and I went to the hospital and we all stood around in a one room, all these Italians in one room trying to be quiet and respectful, different ages and all that. And my papa was there laying on the bed. My grandma's heartbroken, man. I had to get out of there, man. I left. I got out of that room and, and sat at the whole, or sat at the end of the hallway. But I was at that funeral home every day till till they closed. Man, they had to kick me out. I remember going to that funeral, and it was the worst. It was a beautiful. I mean, I hate to say it was a beautiful funeral. It's done well. It was it was respectful. It was great to see the family come together. You know, my grandma thrived after that. God bless her, you know. She did. She really did. It was hard for her, but she did. She had a good life after that for some time. Unfortunately, I was in Texas when my grandma passed away, but I did get to see her once before then. And that broke my heart, too, you know. And I'm not downplaying my grandma. I just had a, a different relationship with my papa. I miss both of them a lot. Uh, I do still have a grandma alive, thank God, and I love her. She's crazy. It's probably where I get my crazy from, but I do love her. Um, yeah, my other grandma, my mom's mom, you know, 
you know, the other one that, that, that really got to me as far as family goes is, is my uncle Paul. And, and if some of my family's listening, I'm not trying to bring up sad memories. I'm just trying to tell you life and love. My uncle Paul was an awesome, awesome dude. He was the nicest guy in the world. It didn't matter what was going on. I know he got mad. He probably got mad at me. He should have got mad at me. But he's just happy. He came into a room, and he was just happy, man. Just smiling, happy, love, man. Just happy to be part of the family. Happy to be have his family, his kids, his wife. God, that's all I remember about him. That's not all I remember, but I just remember love, man. And he passed at work, actually. I'm not going to get into that, but that was heartbreaking because he was joy. And sometimes you just have those people that just make you feel better just by being in the same room with them, you know? Just by being there, you feel better. And uh, he, he was one of those guys. And, you know, my papa loved him, so that, 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 that's awesome. Uh, everybody loved him, you know? I know I do. Um, I love all of them, but uh, that was hard, man. That was hard on me. And I don't think I let on as much because I had to be strong for my family and my cousins, and especially my, my cousin Ryan, who was, who was you know, Paul, Uncle Paul's son, and he was young at the time. And uh, so I kind of took him under my wing, man, and, and we hung out. We had, a, we had a little bit of a falling out after that, but we were both stupid, but... I loved, I loved cuz, man, and uh, I just kind of step up to the plate, you know, and do the right thing. Um, it's funny because I got, a, I got a tattoo of my papa on my shoulder, a portrait. Actually, I just, I got to get some work done on it. And my cousin, Ryan, got a tattoo of his dad, too, portrait. So we share that. I thought that was awesome, man. Um, but those things stay with you, you know? And even though I got tears in my eyes now, it's because I miss them. But there's some ha- there's great happiness to talk about those memories. I wish my papa could see me now uh, with Luke. I mean, he might not be happy that, you know, I got a divorce and everything, and then, hey, I'm not happy about that. But um, I wish he could see me with Luke. You know, you know, Luke Joseph, you know, his middle name is from my papa. So I wish my Uncle Paul could meet him, you know. I wish my friends could meet him. You know, like Jeannie would love him. She'd give me a hard time, too. Because, oh, hey, you got, you got a baby now, you know. And uh, I want Luke to never, ever forget. Like, I want, not never, I want Luke to know these people. I want Luke to hear these stories when he gets older to, to know how important it is to spend time with those that you love and to make those memories so special. Don't take death lightly. You know, we live in a world where death is sometimes glazed over and in a COVID world where they just toss numbers uh, out at us. You know, you know, 729 deaths reported today in Dallas. And we look at it as numbers. Those are people, man. The city of Dallas lost 729 people, or Michigan lost, you know, just reported 729 deaths. Those are people, man. I don't care who they are to you. They're somebody special to somebody else. We should never, ever just look at it as as a part of life and, and not think about it or talk about it or discuss it. We should take what we know from those people that passed away and make it part of us. I got to take some lessons, even though it took me a long time. I got to take some lessons from my papa and grandma and incorporate that into my son. I got to take some of the things that Jeannie said to me and Jennifer said to me and incorporate that into my life so that I can make my son a better person. And that's how the legacy of those we lost live on. Anyway. So that's it. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to end this short and clean myself up. Thanks, guys. I blame you for this. But uh, just make sure that you know that every day that you're breathing, it's got to be the best day that it can be. And it's not going to be the best day. It's going to suck. It's going to be days that suck. 
but do the best you can. Make amends with people that you need to make amends with. If they don't want to make amends with you, forget them. You do it for you. Don't take anything for granted. It's all generic hallmark sayings, but it's very true. I do that every day. I really do. Even though there's some days I feel like crap mentally, physically, emotionally. I do. I get down, man. Last couple weeks have been rough for me. I don't know why. My head's not been right. Um, and I've been exhausted for work. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm happy, man. I've had some amazing times with Luke. Some great conversations with my friends. I'm so blessed to be part of this, this, this I don't know, thing we're doing with the podcast and, and the nonprofit. Like, it's, it makes me happy. But, you know, at some point you got to set that down. And when you set that stuff down, reality sets in. And sometimes you just get a little depressed, you know. I'm not afraid to admit that. But I make, I make the best out of it. You have to. So, anyway, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to the Life of an Average Joe. You know what the next one? I'm going to do the opposite of this. We're going to talk about some fun stuff next time <laughs> in my life. But uh, continue to support, like, share, follow. We are on multiple platforms, obviously. Uh, Anchor, of course and Spotify. We're about to make a big change though coming up. So I'm very excited with that. Uh, probably in the next month, I'll say 30 days. I'm working on it now. And please, I ask you, uh, go back and, and, and listen to the, probably my most important podcast ever, Save Us, Don't Slave Us, the nonprofit. Um, it's on Instagram and Facebook, or you can email me at saveusdontslaveus at gmail.com. That's S-A-V. Um, working really hard with that and and soon we'll have the donations up and running on Facebook and the website and uh, we're going to start making an impact one day at a time so all right guys thanks so much enjoy yourself out there be safe and I hope to listen to you guys soon listen I don't want to listen to you guys unless you got a podcast hope to see you guys and hear from you guys soon talk to you later